Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. We started this series last week, Disciple, with a challenge to be the branch, if you remember that, right? Be the branch. Stay connected to the vine. That was a challenge. In fact, I I stated very emphatically, if we get this wrong, we get everything wrong. If we at any moment think that we are our own source of strength and ability, our talents, our giftings, all of these things are what gives us the ability to survive in this life, then we get it all wrong. The challenge of scripture is is to stay connected to, to Jesus. And your feeble attempts at being the vine, my feeble attempts at being the vine just does not work. And so I want to encourage you in 2024 to figure out how to stay connected to Jesus. That might mean praying uh, on a daily basis. It means reading uh, his scriptures on a daily basis. It means all of that. It might also mean to, to find a, running, a spiritual running partner. I, I, I mean qualify that. Spiritual running partner. I'm not going to be finding any running partners anytime soon for myself, but a spiritual running partner I want, right? Somebody that can run this race of faith with me. Somebody that can, when I'm not doing well, that person comes along and says, hey, man, what's going on? What's happening in your life? Let me pray for you. When I'm making some mistakes in life, when I'm making some choices that are are not God-word choices, that person comes along and says, hey, Rich, what are you doing? Why are you going in that direction? You need to go in this direction. And so maybe that's what you need to do in this year to stay connected to the vine is find a spiritual running partner. Amen? Amen. Okay. Five of you want to find partners. That's great. That's great. That's awesome. (laughs) So we've been talking in this series uh, using the uh, metaphors in the gospel. Last week, the metaphor was, I am... I am the vine, you are the branches. Today, we're going to be talking about a different, completely different metaphor. But it's a metaphor that also talks about trust and connection as well. In fact, I would say that this metaphor is as as equally important as be connected to Jesus. When Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, he uses the metaphor of wind. Now, we understand wind. Wind's one of the only things that is non-physical and yet it's tangible at the same time. In other words, we can't see it. We can't like box it up. We can't hold on to it. But we don't deny its reality. We know it exists. We know it's there. And the reason we know is because we can feel it, right? We feel its presence. We feel its effects. Like we've all felt that gentle breeze that just brushes lightly against our skin and cools us off. We've also possibly felt this sudden, strong gust of wind that almost knocks us down. You see, the wind is one of those things that you cannot package up. You cannot carry it around, but you know it's real. Sometimes you feel it in a gentle whisper. Sometimes it's as loud as a freight train. How many of you How many of you have felt the wind like a freight train in your past, like ringing in your ears? I know I have. I know I have. I'd love to tell you more stories about that, but I don't really have a whole lot of time. So the question is, what are you going to do with the wind? 
What, what are you going to do with the wind? In Acts chapter 2, it talks a little bit about the beginning of the church, and Jesus has ascended into heaven, and disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. That's what he, Jesus tells them. I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And so they're waiting. Jesus is gone, and um, they're praying. It's about 10 days past. And, you know, they're, they're probably wondering, how are we going to know that the Holy Spirit has come? I mean, is he going to knock on the door? Is he going to introduce himself? Hey, by the way, here I am. I'm the Holy Spirit. Well, Acts chapter 2 kind of gives us a little bit of a glimpse of that. It says, um, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting in one place. Suddenly, like suddenly, like they're meeting, they're waiting. And then suddenly, something happens. And I just want to pause here for a second. It's not really what I'm focusing on. But sometimes the Holy Spirit comes in ways that we don't expect it. We're not always, we can't always plan this thing. So suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting and tongues of fire set upon their heads. And then it says, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. I want you to notice it says, sound like a mighty windstorm. It's more metaphoric language here. Language that helps us understand the Holy Spirit when sometimes it's hard to understand the Holy Spirit. Language that helps us explain things that sometimes feel unexplainable. You see, God wants us to understand him better, so he uses metaphoric language throughout Scripture. He calls himself the rock. He calls himself light. He's a shepherd. This is all language that helps us understand how we relate to him how he wants to relate to us. And here is the bottom line. He doesn't want to remain unknown. And so listen, church, again, let me a little sidetrack here. If you're here and it's just about checking the boxes and walking into a church service and checking off the box that I was there, but you're living your life not really knowing this God, you're shortchanging yourself. God does not want to be unknown. And so he wants you to engage him. And we'll talk more about that. And that's really what we have here with the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit is described as wind. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is the word ruach. In the New Testament, it's the word pneuma. This is Greek. Both of these words have the idea of wind or breath or air at their root. And the image is simple. It's just used to help us understand how the Holy Spirit operates. Who is the Holy Spirit, right? And so if the Holy Spirit's wind, then as a church, we need to answer this question. What is my relationship to the wind? You might have never even thought about it. Like maybe you're only thinking about your relationship to church. Like I come to church and I just go faithfully or I give in the offering or I do those kinds. But what is your relationship to the Holy Spirit? Will we hide behind buildings and closed doors? Will we hide behind structures or best practices? Or will we place our trust in the wind? You can't control it. You can't control it. You don't know where it came from, where it's going. And so as I think about the 500 new uh, fully committed and engaged followers of Jesus Christ that we're trusting God for in the next two years, I want us to be a place, a church, that trusts 
the wind. A people that say yes to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, help me understand you better. A people that respond to the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's evidence that the Holy Spirit's moving in our midst. I mean, you just, if you want here in Corville, you could just sit down, look around, and notice, oh, wow, there's a whole lot of people here I've never met before that are new. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit moving. Last year, in 2023, we had 167 people commit their life to Jesus Christ. Amen. That's something we're celebrating. Amen? That's right. We can celebrate that. Because I just threw out a number, 167, and that sounds like, oh, yeah, that's just another number. But it's 167 people that walked in through these doors and said, my life is upside down. My life needs help. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then they said, hey, I want to follow Jesus. And they started on this journey of knowing him better. Now, what makes that significant is that the year before, we had 25. That's a 650 percent growth year over year of people who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. That's evidence that the wind is blowing and that people's lives are being changed and that and, and when we trust the Holy Spirit, we actually get to experience the Holy Spirit. We actually get to see his miraculous activity. I pray with Edder out there in the lobby for his sister to be healed. Stage four cancer. I'm believing God for miracles. I'm believing God for miracles. It's not a work of riches. It's not riches, does it? It's not you as an individual, does it? It's actually the Holy Spirit. It's actually God that does these kind of things. Amen? This is what we're leaning into. Now, the wind can't be controlled. It can't be contained. Sometimes the wind changes direction suddenly. And as a church, I want us to be okay with that. That whatever it is that the wind wants, we say in our spirit, that's what we want. Whatever the Holy Spirit wants, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying, this is what I want you to do, this is how I want you to live, this is the direction I want you to go, that we say, yes, Lord, that's where we want to go. That's what we want as well. And so if you've been, you know, here in any length of time, you just know that this is something that we desire to see. And so the question is, last year we talked about this, are you going to lift your sails and catch the wind, or are you just going to play it safe, right? I want you to think of Life Church kind of as a sailed ship. So I kind of just alluded to it right here. This is the, called the Royal Clipper. It's, a, it's a, a, a massive clipper ship. And this ship, right now the sails are furled. That's the technical term, by the way, for you sailors out there. I'm not a sailor, so I'm going to use a lot of sailing terms over the next few minutes. It's just research. I don't really know how to sail at all. But anyways, that's what this means. The sails are further put up, right? And, um, and, and basically, this ship right here, as massive as it is and as luxurious as it is and whatever, it, all, all the amazing amenities that it has, it's useless with the sails down. I had a vision um, this, this actually, me talking about this comes from a vision I had when I was uh, on sabbatical, not in 23, but in 2022. And I'd seen basically a ship like this in my dream, not this particular one. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, this is like Life Church, but Life Church with its sails down is useless. That really what God wants and what the Holy Spirit's calling us to is, let's go to the next picture, is the same ship, this is the Royal, the, the, the royal Clipper, with its sails fully thrown. 
catching the wind, going where only God has taken us. That's really what, what we're called to. And so as a church, I want us to raise the sails and let the wind move us. And so if you've been playing it safe, like kind of hanging out on land or playing around in the harbor, I mean, you might say you're sailing, but you're not really sailing. It's time to trust the Holy Spirit and catch the wind. It's time to join this sailing crew we call Life Church. And not as a passenger, by the way. I'm going to be very direct. There's some, some of you out there, you're just passengers. <laughs> right? We're being called to be crew members of this thing called Life Church. Where we're giving our lives away for others to know Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul has, uses this analogy of the human body to talk about what it means to be a crew member. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So there's this body, one body, we are the body of Christ, but there are many parts in this body. And then he talks about the, the differences between the body, but he says, so, it's, so it is with the body of Christ. We have all been, and, and then he kind of tells a little bit about this body of Christ and the different gifts that they have. We have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Like the Holy Spirit has positioned us with giftings and callings that we, you and I, we're supposed to be a part of this crew called Life Church. We're supposed to be giving what God has gifted us to others. And so this verse here speaks about dependence, like we need each other. That when one member of the crew or one body member does not do its part, the entire body suffers. And so it is with Life Church. God has called you here. He's called you to be a part of this crew. Listen, as a disciple, we're not just meant to be passengers along the way. He's calling you to be a part of the crew. And this crew is just isn't made up of pastors. All of us are a part of the crew. Every one of us. Those of you in Wilton, those of you in Cedar Rapids, we're all a part of the crew. And so I, I want to pause here for a second and ask you, do you understand that about yourself? Is, is being here just simply, well, I just like Life Church better than that other church? Is being here, well, I just kind of come because my friends are here too. Or is being here, maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting you and saying, hey, God has called me here. I'm now a crew member of this place. I need to get engaged. I need to get involved. I need to do my part in the bigger picture that God has for this, for this entire region. So, Here's a sailing term, probably you're familiar with. The word shorthanded, again, just know that this is all research. <laughs> I'm not a sailor. And so just, I'm just saying that because there's going to be some of you out there that are sailors. You're going to come and say, well, Rich, that wasn't exactly right. I know. That's okay. I don't, I don't claim that I'm a sailor. I'm just telling you. I've just done some research. And so here's a term that you might be familiar with. It's the word shorthanded, Okay. Now, we use this term in other areas of life to describe a situation where we just don't have enough workers, enough helpers, right, to do a particular job. But the etymology of this word actually comes from not a nautical term. And it's this idea that there's not enough crew members 
to lift the sails. And so when there's not enough crew members to lift the sails, then they are shorthanded. And while we all move as one body, you know, all of us have different tasks, different jobs within this crew so that the entire, the entire church moves forward for the, so that the clipper ship can actually move. Everybody has a particular job. Here's another nautical term. <clears throat> all hands on deck. That means every crew member, every member of the crew is needed. So now is not the time to take a nap. Now is not the time to just relax. Now is not the time to look around at this room and say, oh, there's a lot of people here, you know, that somebody else will do the job. It's an all hands on deck time, all right? So I want to just commit to you, Corville. Cedar Rapids from the Double Tree is watching. Wilton is watching as well. I just want to say this in no uncertain terms. This in Life Church's history is an all hands on deck moment. I hope you hear me on that. And we're going to be pressing into some of you because you have giftings, you have callings. God has called, not me, God has called you, but you're holding back. This is an all-hands-on-deck moment in our church. It's not a time to coast or drift or to wander. This isn't a time just to talk about sailing. It's a time to, for us to gear up and be on deck and ready to go. Now, we often say around here, go after something so big, it's destined to fail unless God intervenes. We use words like impact and mission and destiny to speak of our church and the kind of church that we are. Make no mistake about it, we... we we believe that, that all hands need to be on deck. And here's, what I, here's, the, here's this idea that I have. When the full force of the church is actually engaged in the mission, you can change the world. When the full force of life church is actually engaged in reaching its community for Christ, this community will be turned upside down. Not just a percentage of them, not just a part of them, not just the most committed, when all of us are engaged, we can change the world. We can see big things. You know, the church, if the church is a sailboat, I would say that too often the sailboat never really leaves the harbor. Too often we're just kind of trawling around in the harbor. In the harbor we have control, in the harbor, things are predictable. In the harbor, you know, there's no risk involved, really. You can't really make a mistake. Maybe you can, I guess. I've seen a few uh, sailing mistakes as I've been doing research for this message. I've seen a few sailing mistakes in the harbor. But for the most part, it's very easy. But there's also not a lot of freedom and adventure in the harbor. In the harbor, the big sails don't get unfurled. In the harbor, you're not able to experience the adventure that, is, that, it, that there is in casting out to open sea. So what does that mean for you and I when we are just coasting, when we choose to not be engaged in our, commun in our church community? We really don't get to experience the adventure that God has for our lives. I mean, you could trolley around in the harbor and say you're sailing, but you're not really sailing. The ship 
wasn't made for the harbor. We've been made for the open sea. Now, over years, we've experienced a lot of changes in, in Life Church. We've seen God do some amazing things. We've seen a, a, incredible numerical growth, financial growth. We've seen lives changed. And it's easy for us to get to a place where we might say to ourselves, you know what? We've arrived. I mean, we're, quote, unquote, a big church. We've made it. We can just sit back, you know, our sailing days are over. We just sit safely here in the harbor and reminisce of the good old days when Life Church was young and energetic. And we used to do really, really crazy things because we just had maybe no brains and no money either. And so we just did a lot of crazy stuff. And we sit back and reminisce and say, and just tell ourselves that, you know, maybe we've matured and the winds have just died down. But listen, don't you believe that for a second? The Holy Spirit is moving, and we are just getting started. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And the question is, will we trust the Holy Spirit in our lives and corporately to take us places that he's calling us to go? Amen? Now is the time for us to lift the sails and catch the wind. I love the story in Acts chapter 8 of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. For Philip, is a story of catching the wind. The Holy Spirit calls him and says, hey, I want you to go to a place. And he, I mean, he literally caught the wind because he was in one location and then suddenly he was in another location. And so he comes along and the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, in, in verse 20, he says, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Now you see that Philip doesn't question the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, where are you going with this Holy Spirit? Like, he doesn't say, we've never done that before, that way, Holy Spirit. <laughs> he doesn't say, that's embarrassing. I don't even know the guy, you know. He doesn't do that. Look what it says. Look at his response in verse 30. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And so Philip explains this to this Ethiopian, the gospel. And what I want you to catch in this story is that it says that Philip ran. He didn't pause. He didn't question. The Holy Spirit said, go do it. And he immediately responded to what the Holy Spirit was calling him to do. And when he did that, guess what? By the end of that day, he was baptizing that Ethiopian in a pool of water. I want that to be our commitment as a church, that when the wind starts to blow, we respond. We don't sit back. We don't question. We respond. We're responsive to the wind of the Holy Spirit. So here's a couple practical ways that we can respond personally, and I believe that as we respond personally, it impacts us corporately, okay? And, and this is part of that analogy found in 1 Corinthians 12. But number one, we need to treat the Holy Spirit as a person. I know you might catch, be like caught off guard on that one. Well, really? Treat the Holy Spirit as a person? I don't get it. Why? Well, I think sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit as an it, rather than a he. We, we, we relegate the Holy Spirit to a doctrine rather than a friend. We relate to him as a force and not a person. But here's what I've discovered. And I discovered this a long time ago, that the more I treat the Holy Spirit as a person, the more personal he becomes to me. The more I relate to him as my friend, the closer we get. 
and I've been on this journey now for 40 years, and um, I'm telling you, I, I was uh, just reminiscing the other day, I was, um, <clears throat> we were in an Airbnb in Calcutta, and I just got up that morning, and I was just sitting in the living room, and, and it was one of the like pinch yourself moments, like, really, I'm here <laughs> in this Airbnb in Calcutta? Um, we had a, just a, a wonderful uh, missions trip, but um, I was sitting there, and it just dawned on me. 37 years ago, or, yeah, it was 37. I was about to say 47. It wasn't 47. It was, sorry, it was 33 years ago. 33 years ago. Is that right? 43 years ago. My math is all messed up in my head. <laughs> 43 years ago. Yes, yeah, so I am older. Yes, I, I am older than I thought I was. Um, 43 years ago, I was a little lost, poor Panamanian kid in the country of Panama. I didn't know anything about Jesus. In fact, I kind of was shaking my fist at God because of all the tragedy in our life. My mother's a secretary trying to raise five boys on her own. And, um, and yet, what the Holy Spirit has done over those 40 years, I think about it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just blown away. I'm blown away at what God can do, the adventures that he takes us on when we say, here I am, Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. So we need to treat the Holy Spirit as a person. Second thing, second thing we need to do is we need to commit to keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When he uses that word walk, it's, it's in a present, pa- present active imperative, which basically means just keep walking. Okay? Like, it, like, okay, yes, you've been saved for 40 years, Rich, but just because you've been saved for 40 years doesn't mean you stop walking with the Holy Spirit. Like, you keep walking. You never stop walking with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit, listening to what the Holy Spirit's leading you. This speaks of responsiveness to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That means that there's a daily commitment to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. A good practice for us is to wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with my life today? Or Holy Spirit, what open doors do you have for me today? Or Holy Spirit, help me to be sensitive to my coworker at work who may be going through some difficult times and what I, I might share with them is staying responsive to the Holy Spirit. The third thing I would say is to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were praying, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing. Let me just clarify this metaphor a little, because I don't want you to miss this. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is the sail. We've been using this language, this metaphoric language, Lift the sails, catch the wind. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is the sail. Okay, the Holy Spirit's not a tool that we use to accomplish our purposes. Too many people think of the Holy Spirit that way. It's some tool that I use to be able to accomplish what I want. Or they see it as a credential that helps kind of distinguishes them, separates them from, you know, being more spiritual than other people. The Holy Spirit is not the sail. The Holy Spirit is the wind. We are the sail. We are the tool in the Holy Spirit's hands. We're the tool that he uses to accomplish his purposes and his his desires here on this earth. 
And so the question we need to ask ourselves, individually and corporately, are we just kind of like hanging out on the harbor? I mean, on, the, on land or just trawling around in the harbor? All the while, there's this, these massive sails that are there. And all we have to do is lift them because the wind is waiting to blow on those sails. What are we doing? I think sometimes our problem is, is that we don't, really don't see ourselves on a sailboat. We see ourselves on a yacht. You know what a yacht is, right? Some of you are like, not hearing me, right? Did I, spell, did I say that right? Y-A-C-H-T, yacht. Okay, everybody knows what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I mean, I like yachts and everything, but that's not what the church is. You see, yacht life is more about comfort and convenience. You're more concerned about amenities and entertainment and taking it easy. That's not what the church is. The church is not a yacht. The church is really like a clipper ship. We're all hands are on deck, and the crew is ready to go to accomplish the mission that God is calling us to. In Acts chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit came, and it came as this mighty rushing wind. Another nautical term I want to throw at you as we, as we close this service is the term windfall. It can be used in different ways, in different contexts. It's a financial term as well, but in the sailing world, it's used to describe this powerful gust of wind that just happened suddenly. And you know, I don't know what it is, but in the last recent years, I feel like the Lord is just, this is like surfaced in my prayer more and more. God, send us a windfall. God, send us a windfall. May, we receive, may you just blow through this place. And I'm not talking, here, hear me out real quick. I'm not talking about accentuating our service in such a way that, okay, we can say, oh, we, Holy Spirit's there. Yes, we want the Holy Spirit to blow through here. But what I want more than anything, I want the Holy Spirit to blow through your hearts. And where you respond to the Holy Spirit, where you walk in, you walk out of church one day and you walk in and say, man, this week I was just praying and the Holy Spirit just convicted me and I just decided I'm going to stop doing this bad habit. I'm going to start living this way. That's the windfall I'm praying for. That God will just blow through our lives in such a powerful way that we respond to him. And so my commitment to you as a church is that we will not play it safe. We will not stay in the harbor. We will not run that small motor, motor in the harbor that, that signals control. Instead, we're going to be dependent and driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we want. I hear this all the time around here. Um, in fact, there's a testimony that we've, we've included in our annual report that you'll see in a couple weeks where people come in and walk through our doors and they sit down and they say, for weeks, I just couldn't stop crying. Or they'll say things like, Rich, it's like every time you preach, you're just reading my mail. Uh, let me just tell you something. I don't go check anybody's mailboxes. I don't read your mail. I don't pry and all that stuff. I don't do any of those things. And so really, it's not me. You just need to understand something, that the Holy Spirit, the wind is blowing. And he's challenging you, and he's calling you out. And so are you responsive to the Holy Spirit? And so today, I want us to respond across all of our campuses, just in a powerful show. Um, if you're here, if you're in Coralville, if you're here in Coralville or you're in Cedar Rapids or Wilton, this is what I want you to do. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Rich? I'm ready. 
Like there's all kinds of dysfunction in my life right now and I just need God to move. I need him to do something in me. Or maybe you're here and you're like, you know, I've just been coasting because I thought I was mature. I knew the doctrines. I know theology. I know those things. I've got, I'm like settled in. I don't, I don't really need anything extra. But you need God to do something fresh in your life. Or maybe you're here and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. And you walked in through these doors and you're saying to yourself, I need more. Like the things that I'm chasing after, the things that I'm going after are not satisfying me and I need something that will fill my soul, fill my spirit. If that's you here this morning and you want to agree with me on this, that you are ready to lift the sails and catch the wind, here's this is across all of our campuses, here's what we're going to do. We're all, right now, if that's you, just stand up where you are. Just stand up. Here's what we're going to do. This is going to be our closing prayer. I'm believing God for miracles in 2024. I'm believing God for people's lives to be set free. I'm believing God for some of your own family members who are not living for Jesus right now and they need an encounter with Jesus Christ. I'm believing for people in this church whose bodies are broken and they need healing to happen. I'm believing for some of you in this room that you, you started a business and man, it's just it's, it's struggling and I'm believing that God's gonna give you a, win, a financial windfall this year. And here's what we're gonna do as a church. We're just gonna declare it. This is gonna be our prayer, our closing prayer. We're just gonna declare it. Holy Spirit, I stand ready. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask you to repeat with me these words. Holy Spirit, I stand ready. Say that. All right, we're going to do that again. Holy Spirit, I stand ready. Whatever you send, I will respond to. I will be a crew member of this thing called Life Church. I stand ready. Amen. Let's worship together.